Hello, and welcome to Your Magic. I'm your host, Michelle T. And in addition to being a Woo podcast producer and a tarot person, I'm also a writer of books. And I have a brand new memoir out this week that I am really psyched about. It's called Knocking Myself Up, a memoir of my infertility. And it's about what happened when at age 40, I set out to get pregnant with no partner, no health insurance, but a really cool drag queen who agreed to give me her sperm. To celebrate the book coming out, we've whipped up a special series of interviews with folks who have something to say about reproduction because they're parents or abortion rights activists, or as in the case today, they are the magnificent drag queen who so generously shared her sperm with me. Yes, today's guest is Lil Miss Hot Mess, the high profile spokesperson for Drag Queen Story Hour, author of the children's books, If You're a Drag Queen and You Know It, and the hits on the drag queen go swish, 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 and lucky me, my sperm donor. We're going to talk about astrology, Judaism, and how she quite literally took the lack of queer porn in the sperm donation room into her very own hands. And also, if you want to help support making this podcast, check out patreon.com backslash this is your magic, where you can get all sorts of perks, a monthly tarot reading based on your zodiac and the phases of the moon, tarot workshops where we dive deep into a single card, that sort of thing. We make this podcast as a real labor of love, and we appreciate all of you for supporting it. If you really want to wear your heart on your sleeve or on your baseball cap, check out our super cool elemental t-shirts and our fashion-forward dad-style baseball hats at our shop at thisisyourmagic.com backslash shop. Okay, now let's get on with the show. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You guys, parenting is hard. I know I can't complain. I did this to myself. I mean, I really, really, really had to go out of my way, spend a bunch of money, and flood my body with synthetic chemicals to get myself a baby. When I was struggling to get pregnant, I actually used to feel jealous of, like, fertile people with uteruses who had sex with virile people with sperm and, whoops, just accidentally got knocked up and kept the baby. I mean, how easy would that be? But now, seven years into the messy glory of guiding another human being down the road to civilization, I wonder if it is occasionally this exhausting for someone who was so intentional and wanted it so fucking bad and took parenting workshops and other bougie white people shit, what must it be like for folks who just fall into it somewhat unexpectedly? It must be a lot. I really don't feel jealous of any parents anymore for how they got their baby or any other aspects of their lives. All I mostly feel for parents is a lot of empathy. So this past week, while I was parenting with severe PMS, I couldn't figure out if my weary body needed a massage or if my fritzed out energy needed to be soothed. Because I live in Los Angeles, a fairly woo place, I didn't have to choose. I found a joint that gives massage and energy work all in one totally reasonably priced session and I grabbed it. And it was really cool. So to start, the practitioner had me lie on the massage table and she stood over me and let a crystal pendulum dangle above each of my seven main chakras. Now I have a pendulum myself, but I've never used it because back when I was pregnant, someone used a pendulum on me and told me I was going to have a girl and I didn't, I had a boy. And I know gender is a construct and maybe I will someday learn that I do have a girl, but from what I'm seeing, I seriously doubt it. 
So the pendulum was wrong. So I was like, frig pendulums. But I believed in this particular woman, maybe because when she did that check-in with me at the start of the session, when massage therapists ask you about your injuries and whatnot, she said, so what's your deal? I liked her vibe. When she told me my root chakra was blocked, I had the faith that she was speaking the truth. That's why you fail off, she said. When the root chakra's blocked, it's like someone was high when they built the foundation. It's all fucked up. Okay, I was now officially in love with this person. She kept moving the pendulum up the center of my body, and I could see a bit as she went. My sacral chakra was open. My solar chakra was open. I could see it spin clockwise, and that's what she was looking for. My heart chakra was closed. Oh no, not my heart chakra. That's the chakra I feel open most often, a whirling in the center of my chest. The pendulum swung above my throat chakra in a giant swooping circle. Yeah, that tracks. I can't stop talking. Above my third eye, the pendulum disappointingly began to move back and forth like a little head shaking no, then reconsidered and rotated in a tight non-committal circle. My crown chakra seemed okay. I have always wanted someone to tell me what was up with my chakras. But I was also curious, like were my bum ones shut down just today because I was a ball of a hormonal mom confusion mess? Or like have they been shut down for years as a result of a really overwhelming divorce that was not only damaging to my belief in love, heart chakra, but really gave my sense of stability in the world a damaging wallop, root chakra. She proceeded to give me a really great massage, just a relaxing one. At the end of the massage, as I lay on my back, she dumped a load of clacking stones onto the sheet down by my root chakra. Something weighty was placed on my sternum. On my third eye, another magic rock was balanced. Gently, she opened each of my sleepy curled hands and pressed slivers of quartz into my palm, then wrapped my fingers back around them. I lay there all crystalled up and time felt weird and beside the point. Back in the lobby, she greeted me with this like, how you feeling? You were out. Was I snoring? I asked sheepishly. You were, it was great, she enthused. You were really processing. Your body was making all these little twitches and movements. You were resetting and it worked, you're fixed. I used the pendulum again and all your chakras are great. Wow, I said. I was like too deeply out of it in a very nice way to say anything smart. Why shouldn't these crystals help us? She declared, even though I hadn't asked her anything. She went on about how they grow down in the core of the earth, slowly melting, growing, forming, melting, just so slowly. They're powerful. She told me that she just lays with them on her body when she's home, just on the couch. I really do love a magical person with a hard skater vibe like this lady had. She gave me a gift bag filled with Epsom salt, and I went home where I proceeded to lie around with crystals all over my body and even put a globular carnelian in my underwear. Not to be a freak, but yes, to be a freak, because she'd mentioned that red is really good for my root chakra and that I should wear red underwear or sit on a red towel. And I actually don't have either of those things, but I do have this nice red crystal. And so I did that. I put it in my underwear and I woke up with crystals all around me on my mattress, ready for another day of being a mom. Here's a little hot mess. Little Miss Hot Mess, thank you so much for being on Your Magic. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I mean, I feel like we just need to just like jump into it with you because it, it has been a crazy time for you. It has been it a has. wild, wild time for you and for, I mean, for all of us, right? Who, yes, you know, us, are queer or care about life or have uteruses or whatever. It's been a wild time. But yes. do you want to talk at all about like, What's been going on? Yeah, I mean, 
Drag Queen Story Hour has, you know, been under attack. It's unfortunately not anything that's new for us. It's been happening almost since it very began. Um, but, you know, with this kind of intensification of right-wing rhetoric, targeting trans kids, targeting all queer people, targeting, you know, basically anyone who isn't a straight, white, cis man, uh, they've they've come for us. Um, and we've seen an increase in you know, hate mail, we've seen an increase in protests, including some pretty scary ones outside of some of our events. Um, we've seen proposed legislation from crazy right-wing legislators who want to make it legal for children to attend drag shows or criminalize parents for bringing them. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's sad, it's a little bit scary, but ultimately it's a distraction. It's their way of trying to find a scapegoat um, and trying to say, you know, this is th this is where we're going to focus our attention rather than on, you know, ending gun violence, ending white nationalist violence, providing people with health care, fixing our education system, like all the things that these people should be doing on a daily basis. Instead, they're going to come for drag queens. Yeah, you have been working. Your your um, <laughs> op-eds have been really high, in really high profile places. And it's been, you know, like such a combo of me, like feeling like, God, I hope Little Miss is OK, because this is a lot on her padded and sequined shoulders. And also being like, <laughs> yes, this is so great that that you have this platform right now to talk about this stuff. And I love that. I love the piece that you wrote um, where you talked about imagination and how like they're the Republicans are really waging war on imagination, which then, of course, um, posits drag queens as, you know, the bringers of imagination, which is so beautiful and true. I, I've been trying to think about the kind of work that drag does in the world. And for me, that's all about creativity. It's about play. It's about imagination. Um, I was partly inspired. I had to cut out the line in that op-ed, but um, acknowledging Diane De Prima, the poet who has this whole great poem that's all about, you know, kind of the war on imagination and how all other wars are subsumed within that. And I think that that's really true that like, again, all these plagues that are plaguing our world right now really are, you know, a lack of creativity, a lack of imagining other possibilities. And I think that as, you know, I think we have to name it, like we are seeing this rise in authoritarianism, in fascism, in white nationalism, like whatever kind of word or cluster we want to use to name that. And, and part of that is about conformity. It's about maintaining the status quo. It's about making people feel scared like they can't do anything else. And so, yeah, I think, you know, drag isn't alone going to change the world, but I think it's one of the tools that we have to think about how we not only transform ourselves, but also how we transform the world around us by putting on our glitter and, you know, our fabulosity and our finest. And I think a lot of people can learn that, especially kids. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And I mean, like kids love Drag Queen Story Hour so much because they see it for the magic that it is, you know. Totally. I mean, yeah, you know, kids like they get it. They they come with their imaginations, you know, well tuned, ready to go. And, you know, they ask lots of great questions. They ask, are you really a queen? Have you met any dragons? Like, how do you get the glitter to stick to your face? Sometimes they ask tough questions like, are you a boy or a girl? And I have to sort of decide how I want to answer that in that moment. But I think that you're totally right. Like they're there for that magic. They're, they want to believe um, in that magic. And, and that's part of what makes it such an exciting program, as you know, because you started it. 
Well, I wanted to know about like, what's your, I mean, you know, we're a, we're a woo mystical spiritual podcast. And what was your, like, did you have a spiritual upbringing or like a belief in your, in your youth and how did that shake out for you? Yeah, I was raised Jewish, um, although with kind of an interfaith family. So, you know, never totally fell into like all of the customs and always kind of had this sense of being in between a couple of different worlds. Um, And I think I always, you know, was interested in the more kind of like spiritual and mystical aspects of Judaism, as well as a lot of the cultural things. Like I'm not there as much for the dogma of it, um, but for the ritual and for the community. Um, And I was also a kid who kind of did believe in magic myself. Like I read a lot of fantasy books and, you know, kind of always did believe that like, if I tried hard enough, I could move something with my mind or like maybe one day I would fly. And I, I do think that that still fits into kind of like the work and the drag that I do is, is that belief that we can make some of that magic. What is it? What is your, do you have like a spiritual practice now? Like, what does that look like for you today? Yeah, I mean, I still continue to engage with Judaism in kind of a cultural and, and, semi-spiritual way. You know, I, I go to temple a few times a year um, on the high holidays. And I, I like the like, especially like the dinner parties, like a Passover Seder kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I engage the woo when I can. Um, you know, it, <laughs> being a queer in California for this long, like there's no way to escape it. And so I've got, you know, my crystals. I've got my tarot cards. Um, I consult, you know, astrology every now and then. Yes. And I have like that bottle of like lavender spray that you made for me for like my birthday or something one year. Oh, yes. Yes. I do like to play with scents. I was like, little mess is making potions now. This is so exciting. (laughs) Is drag a part of your spiritual practice? Like, do you have, does it have like a woo connection to you or how does, how does it interplay with, how do those two like parts of you come together if they do? I think for me... I don't know if I would name drag as a spiritual practice per se, but it is definitely a practice of a flow of kind of like getting in a zone of like almost kind of being in a meditative state. Um, You know, actually, when we were talking before about sort of what I've been doing for self-care, actually doing drag often feels like a form of self-care as well, right? Like the ritual of getting things on, of like, you know, taking an hour and a half to like literally just beautify yourself, I think is, yeah, is kind of magical in that way. And, you know, I'm thinking about a couple of weeks ago when I was doing an event and I was super stressed from like work and from all this other stuff going on and truly having that moment to just like stop and dedicate myself to that. Um, really like, yeah, calm me down in a way that like nothing else could. So, so you're a Capricorn, but I always think of you as a Capricorn Aquarius cusp. It's true. I am a Capricorn Aquarius cusp. I mean, I grew up for a long time thinking I was an Aquarius because of whatever newspaper horoscope I read. And like, since I was right on that date, it depends on who you're consulting. Um, But yeah, so, so, you know, according to the charts, I am a Capricorn, but I do, I do identify with both. um, And I especially identify with being on the cusp. Um, You know, I think I pick and choose sometimes how I identify, but I am I am a Capricorn in that I do. I work hard. I I plan things to an extent, although there is a way in which I think the like Aquarian go with the flow 
does kind of play in. Like I, I don't know. Sometimes when I read those like memes of like, you know, how all the signs react to like a breakup or how all the signs react to a whatever. um, Sometimes Capricorn's like a little too harsh for me. (laughs) So I think I'm definitely on that cusp. So I feel very grateful that you're letting me talk about this and that you're willing to talk about it. But um, I guess it's a a good time as any to say that you're um, my sperm donor. Like, how do I, you're my donie or you're my (laughs) child's donie. You're, um, yeah, you gave me your man juice so that I could have a baby. I mean, we're talking a lot about (laughs) babies right now because I have this book knocking myself up coming out. Um, And you're such a huge part of that book, um, obviously. Um, oh. so, you know, I first found out because we, our mutual friend, Breton had said, oh, little Miss Hot Mess is dying to donate sperm. And I'm like, really? And was that true? Or were they being like, were you dying to, or like, where, where did that action of, of immense generosity sit with you um, before, <laughs> before I sent you an email? I think I was just always curious about it. And I do remember multiple times in my early 20s. I mean, at that moment, I was hanging out with mostly dykes, queer women, or people who identified as queer women at the time. Um, And it's funny because I don't think anyone was really talking about having babies. Like, we were all young and queer, and that felt so foreign to us. And it was before marriage equality and all this stuff. So, like, I don't know. But I, I think I just had this sense that like, if there was a way that I could be of service to these friends one day that I would love to do it. And I think I've always sort of known that I don't plan to have kids myself, but there does feel something special and also kind of like weird about knowing that I've contributed to humanity in this very specific way. So yeah, I think I I always have just felt open to it. And like, it's truly just this thing that I have that's really, really easy to give away if people want it. And so, you know, kind of the more the merrier, or if, if it makes it easier for other people to pursue something that they've been interested in, you know, why not? See, now this feels very Aquarius, this attitude, because <laughs> Capricorns are a little controlling, right? Capricorns want to know, they want to sign the paperwork, they're concerned, they're ruled by Saturn, the planet of worst case scenarios. And so they know mm. every bad thing that could happen. Probably would never, but they know it, right? Right, but, right. But they're also so responsible. And I, I remember thinking many times, so, um, you know, the way this all first started is that, you know, I was just doing at-home inseminations and Little Miss would come over and my friend Tara would be there and we were just doing it like at my house. Mm-hmm. And you know, I remember when I asked you, I, I I guess I didn't really realize what I was asking you. It's quite a commitment to be someone's sperm donor. <laughs> like you had to come over my house all the time. Like, you know, yeah, but like, it was it, so fun. It was. I'm so glad you think that. I, <laughs> I thought it was so fun, too. But I just remember being like, you have the perfect this is the perfect cusp for, for something like this because you've got all the like responsibility of the Capricorn where you're like, I have committed to this. I will show up right. for it. Like you, you always showed up for it, but then you had the Aquarian sort of like, it's fine. Like it can be loose and like, it's some <laughs> about something that's sort of bigger than me and that's cool. And you know, I don't have to be controlling, but I will definitely, you know, be there on time and, right. and never miss a day. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's funny now that I'm thinking back, I feel like there were maybe moments too where I would like text you to be like, are we on for today? Like, or like, is this happening? Or like, I think this is the week. Is this how, like, I think there maybe were times where that Capricorn controlling this kind of played in a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I do have a very, yeah, kind of loose. I think once I have a structure, then I, I feel like free to play around with it a little bit. And yeah, I, I don't think I fully understood what the time commitment would be, although I, I do not regret it by any means because it was it was a lot of fun to just like come over and hang out and then, yeah, masturbate in your kitchen and pass it <laughs> off and <laughs> feel like we were had this project that was really happening. It was. Yeah, we did. And it was so queer and it was so mm-hmm. special. It felt very magical. And even though I ended up having to you know, go to a clinic and use, you know, get, get, do IVF and do that whole thing. Cause my eggs were so old. Oh. Um, <laughs> it was so old. Um, <laughs> what's really amazing is that the, the day that like, you know, the conception date for my child that you helped mm-hmm. with the day that mm-hmm. they took your stuff and put it together with my co-parent stuff was pride. It's like, oh. it was pride in San Francisco. So it's like, he was conceived on pride, which is so, I mean, like on the one hand, you're like, who cares about pride? But you're like, oh, I'll care about it for this because that's really cool and really cute. And when we were like up in the, you know, look, looking out the the window, it was like you know, of the clinic, we could see the giant pink triangle that folks put on the the hillside in San Francisco, every pride. Read the book, people, knocking myself up. You'll get the whole story. So I know that you've also helped other queers start families. Um and so how does it all feel for you, like, to know that there's these, like, little creatures with your adorable features, like, walking around, <laughs> hopefully with your amazing gay jeans, you know? Oh, I, I hope so. It feels great. It's it's so sweet to see kids that look like me. I don't know. It's sort of funny and narcissistic to say that, but it's true. Like, there's something... Yeah, just just kind of beautiful. And and I think especially getting to see kids grow up in this queerness and express like their genders however they want and, you know, just have this sort of freedom that, you know, I grew up with like liberal ish parents, but like definitely a lot of sort of ideas about masculinity and femininity and, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and all those sorts of things. And, and with the two um, kids that I've, yeah, helped contribute to, like, they're both growing up in these wonderful queer worlds where they get to do so many things. They get to go to drag queen story hours. They get to, you know, dress up and play and have all these different queer aunties and, you know, uncles or whatever. Um, and that's been really just wonderful to see and and kind of helps me feel like I'm not getting a do-over at my own childhood or anything like that but but kind of helps me see you know how things really are changing in a concrete way which is very reassuring and and sweet yeah it really is it really is I mean there's a reason why drag queen story hour took like exploded globally mm-hmm. like in this era right like there's there's massive change there's a reason even for all these horrible protests it's like there's power like there's a there's a lot of power um in what and what's happening with drag queen story hours like beautiful glittery you know power <laughs> exactly yes <laughs> yes it's like all of our like 80s cartoon fantasies coming to life in a way 
um it's really wild that like you, you like you have you're so child adjacent like you <laughs> you know like you're you're such an important facet of drag queen story hour um you know you like you do so much work for drunken story hour as well as being like one of the spokespeople for it and then you have sired some children <laughs> like it's very interesting right it's like i bet you would would have never thought like in your 20s that that would be your situation today Oh my God. Yeah. Never did I ever. But also it is so nice to get to be like, I feel like, yeah, I'm like a drag queen who reads to kids, but it it does make me feel kind of like the ultimate auntie in this way, which is kind of exactly what I want to be. Like, I, I don't want to have my own kids, but I do want to be in kids' lives and I want to get to see their joy and get to see them grow up and get to, you know, be part of all these things. But I sort of like get to dip in at the the fun moments at the right moments. Um, I get to dip out when the crying starts to happen or when the diapers need to get changed or anything like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it really does feel like a treat to, to kind of have this, have a role. I think that's another kind of like Capricorn thing about me is that I, I like to have a role. I like to have a job and uh, this definitely gives me that. That's so great. Yeah, I could see that being cap- very Capricorn as well. What do you know what your other stuff is like your rising and like your. Yes. Yeah, so my rising is I'm a Sag rising and I'm a Leo moon. That's really all I remember. Oh, that makes so much sense, yeah. though, because you're a performer. Yes. And oh, my God, a Sag rising like you're a risk taker mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're Leo moon. It's like. Glamour is deeply important. Right, right. Like just shine be, off me. Yeah, being the yeah. center of attention is like deeply satisfying. Yes, I yes. have the opposite. So I am. Oh. We have like very strangely like flipped. Yeah, like, you you being you know on the Aquarius Capricorn cusp, me being on the Aquarius Pisces. You have Sag rising in a Leo moon. I have a Leo rising in a Sag moon. Interesting. Very right. Very interesting. Yeah. But I really do feel like these are all like the same, the same sort of astrological elements that I feel like made it feel good for you to step up and say yes to this like strange opportunity. <laughs> I feel like it was also at play for me in that moment of being like, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a partner or health insurance, but <laughs> right. let's try to have a baby. Like, why should only those guys get to have a baby? You know? Right. Right. Yeah. I still will never forget the subject of your email, which was a crazy question, both spelled with K's. And that that's still my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the whole experience. <laughs> and I think like, recently you emailed me with, with something that just said a question. And I was like, interesting. Like, what is this going to be about? But then it was just a regular email. <laughs> just a regular question. I didn't put any K's just in a it. Regular question. Exactly. exactly. There wasn't any now whimsical misspelling. For. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Well, you know, I like, I'd, I'd ask some other folks and I, um, you know, had... I was really struck by how heavy their responses were when I asked, you know, if you if they would give me some sperm. I I I was like a little maybe ignorant, but I was really like, you guys got tons of this shit. Just can you give me a little bit of it? Like that's I was just <laughs> like, you know, no, you want to hang out with the kid. Cool. You don't want to cool. Like, I don't care. You know, that was my attitude. But I was getting such heavy responses from people of like, oh, my God, like it was just like, I don't know, their life was flashing before their eyes, you know, and I had one really, really dear friend to me um, be like, well, what if they become a heroin addict and I would feel responsible? And I was like, whoa, dude, where did you just go? Oh my God. I mean, OK, wow. like I. I'm an I'm a sober addict. They have addicts in their family. I get it. Okay, like you know these. In, in a sense, you know, maybe it was more, maybe they are the normal ones for 
taking it so seriously <laughs> and my flippancy is strange. But I just felt like I needed that flippancy to project me into saying yes to this decision because otherwise right, I would have gotten right. weighed down by everything that seemed that could suggest that it was a bad idea. You know, I just wanted to not do that. So I don't know. I was like, I'm just going to keep it light. <laughs> and if you respond to yes. that lightness, that's a good sign. And, you know, because I do want yes. it to be a fun and joyful thing that we're saying yes to bringing a new life into this dying planet. No, I think it was such a good way to approach it because, you know, it makes me think about kind of like my attitude towards getting tattoos, which like took me a long time to become comfortable with because I, I think I like wanted to over plan. And like, I was like, what is this thing that I'm committing to and going to have on my body forever and ever? Like, it has to be perfect. It has to be right. And then like, I, you know, I had to realize that like, no, I need to kind of like live in the moment with this kind of thing. And like, maybe don't be like stupid about it, but like still be open to, you know, maybe not loving something forever or, you know, maybe changing my mind and feeling like it's a funny story later. And so, yeah, I feel like you framing it as a crazy question made it seem, you know, not like it wasn't a big decision, but like it was a big decision that was approachable and could have that humor and levity in it as well. Yeah. Uh, can I also tell you another funny story that I don't know if I've ever, maybe I told it to you at some point. Yes, please. But, um, speaking, speaking of other people that you talked to, there was one time where I not to brag, was hooking up with someone and we realized that you had also asked him to be your donor, um, which was a really funny thing to realize. Oh my God. Bed, um, with this person that I was hooking up with. And there was a lot of kind of like, we were like, we didn't know each other at the time, I guess, that you had asked either of us. Um, and there was a lot of kind of like figuring out that we were like in the same orbit, but hadn't fully crossed paths before. But that was a very funny, specific one, I think, because maybe he had been reading your blog and so sort of like put two and two together as we had been talking. But oh, my God, I don't know. I don't know I where that, that fits into the kind of like cosmology of the like, I don't know sexuality of it all of the whole process but it does feel related in this funny way i'm not even going to ask you who it is because of course you can't say it because we're like recording this <laughs> but and they might not want to be known or who, i don't know maybe you don't want to be known I, but um i'm so curious i was definitely like oh you have sperm like can you give me some like it would just like occur like occur to me sometimes yeah. <laughs> people or I'd like see them totally, on the internet totally. and I'd be like I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot that person a dm slide into their dms <laughs> what what about that amazing story about once we did move all of our efforts over into the clinic and you had to go to the clinic to make your deposit um and they just didn't yes. really have any queer uh sex materials they didn't have any queer porn and you took matters into your own hands yeah, I made an art piece about it. I was <laughs> doing my MFA at the time. So I it's literally one of my favorite things in the entire world. <laughs> Thank you so much. Part of it, part of it, so the piece basically worked that, yeah, I was, you know, going to make this deposit. It was so not even just not queer, but it was just like so clinical. Like it was going in this like basically like a doctor's office, then just like happened to have a few like Playboys or whatever and like a like a a sad kind of like binder of dvds that you could look through and i was like god like all of this is straight it's also just kind of like weird and sad and clinical 
Um, and so what I decided to do was I recorded myself in the act and while I was still in the room, burned it onto a DVD, which feels funny to say in our technological landscape now, and uh, left the DVD in the little binder with all the other DVDs. Um, and I titled it, Who's Your Daddy? Um, and then I deleted all the files and everything from my own computer. So the idea was that like, kind of like the act of donating sperm, it was like kind of this one-off thing, right? That like would only exist in that that one iteration moving forward. Um, and so I still have no idea, like if someone found it, if someone like got off on it, if someone, you know, took it home with them, if the clinic threw it away, like I have no idea, but I, I like to think that someone, you know, at some point was flipping through and chose the, who's your daddy DVD and got a little bit of a surprise from it. Oh my God. I love that. I love that. I, I know. I really, I it's, it's like, you just like put a little message in a bottle just like threw it out to sea. We'll never yeah. know that like yeah. the possibilities will be endlessly yes. delightful. Yes. And I, the only documentation yeah. that I have is like some photographs that I took in the room to document it. Um, but yeah, that's it. Well, you know, thank you. <laughs> thank you for my child that, that like has your face and which is just like the cutest thing ever. Oh. It's like so cute when I see your face in his face. And then when I see his face in your face, it's such an adorable scramble of love. And I just I love it so much. Um, oh. Yeah, it's real special. It is special. And I mean, thank you. Oh, gosh, don't thank me. I Let me thank you. I'll thank you by giving you endless tarot card readings for the rest of your life. <laughs> yes. No, but like, thank you because it it is it is special to be part of something. It is not to sort of like reify the biological or like the the sperm of it all. But there is something nice about expanding and exploring queer family in this way. And like, I think that we've been part of an extended queer family kind of since I've known you, not only did this help us become better friends, but also like, yeah, it does create this different bond and so nice to, to get to be part of this thing that, yeah, otherwise I would not have been part of. That's our episode. Thanks for listening. We hope we inspired you to take pleasure in the true possibilities of family making on this planet and to maybe fall asleep with a crystal in your panties tonight. If you're in Southern California and curious, the business I got my massage and energy work at is called Temple Work LA. I am not like a paid promoter for them or anything. I just like sharing stuff like that. See you next time. Thanks for tuning into Your Magic. You can support us, plus get access to a whole bunch of bonus content at patreon.com backslash thisisyourmagic. Thank you to those who support us. Every single dollar makes our work possible. You can also support us by buying one of our air, earth, water, or fire sign t-shirts or logo hats. Go to the thisisyourmagic.com backslash shop to see all our merch. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thisisyourmagic and subscribe to our newsletter at thisisyourmagic.com. Join us on Discord at the link in the show notes. You can rate us and subscribe right here on Spotify. Do what you need to do to never miss an episode. And you can email us at hello at thisisyourmagic.com. We would love to hear from you. Your Magic is Ben Cooley, me, Michelle T, Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, Vera Blossom, and our production intern, Kirsten Osai-Bonsu. And our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Thanks for listening.